Okay, session six, uh, God's will and the glory of God. And as usual, we begin with question number one. What's an awe-inspiring experience that took your breath away? Anybody had any, had any of those? The cold. The what? The cold weather. The cold weather? <laughs> that was an awe-inspiring experience that took your breath away? No, you said it grabbed the cold. Okay. Huh? Oh, the cove. Yeah. Sorry, the cove. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. Uh, and um, it's all inspiring just seeing the pictures. I can imagine what it's like just being there. You know, a tremendous uh, uh, piece of God's glory on display. Um, and to have Billy Graham's name associated with it, that sort of adds to it. Okay, anybody else? Any awe inspiring experience? When we, went to, um, when we went to Spain, we had a historical church there. Mm. Um, and then it was very breathtaking. Okay. The stained glass, the mm. architectural inside of it. Mm. <coughs> okay. A church in Spain. Brother right. Randy, some years ago, Nance and I went to, I guess they, they call it the seventh wonder of the world, the uh, old faithful, driving through the mountains. Believe me in that, it's a winding place, road extremely narrow, and anyone who rode through the mountains would realize the, the natural beauty. Is such a contrast, mm. natural beauty. It is be beyond, I guess, the imagination of how how it's done. Mm. But to see the natural beauty that the Lord has made, and each each part, each corner that you go through, is completely different from the other one. Mm -hmm. It's such amazing. Only God could do that. Only God. Could. Amen. Okay, let's look at Bible means life. It's said, when I stand and I discover someone who is my truth, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's said that beauty is in the eyes of the Holy So when it comes to art, our opinions can be quite diverse as to what makes good art. Some works of art can leave many of us scratching our heads. What was the artist thinking? <laughs> I just can look at that same piece of art and think it's brilliant. Some art is almost universally recognized as great art, for example, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper or Michelangelo's David. When people observe these works in, in person, they do not marvel as the quality of the canvas or the wonderful piece of marble. The marble as the person who created it, a phenomenal work of art, leads us to glory in its creator. We are God's creation, and we were created for his glory. Unfortunately, we do reflect God's glory as we should. In our sinful state, we too often seek our own glory, but if we want to bring glory to our Creator, where do we begin? When we live as He created us to live, when we follow His plan for our lives, 
our lives bring glory to God, and we experience our greatest joy. Amen. Okay, so when we view the beautiful sunrise or sunset, we marvel at the beauty of creation and glorify the Creator who made it. And I guess when you go through those mountains and you see the natural wonders of the world, the only thing you could think about is to God be the glory. How awesome you are in all your ways, O Sovereign Lord, uh, should always be the, the response. What's the point? Okay, do we think about that? When we're struggling with some decision, do we think about bringing glory to God by obeying His will? Or are we always thinking about what I want? Normally it's what I want, right? What's going to make me happy? Okay. But we need to start thinking about uh, how God is to be glorified. Uh, different world religions offer wrong perceptions of how God works in the world. And we see that and we hear it all the time. Some see his acts as capricious and seemingly on a whim. Others view God as distant and uncaring. The Bible reveals that the true nature of God, the Bible reveals the true nature of God, the all-powerful God who acts in holiness and love on a personal level. Jesus also showed us at the death of Lazarus that God always works for his glory. It's always for the glory of God. Um, Father, we give you thanks again today that we are able to focus on how we can glorify you in our lives. We pray, O oh God, that you would be glorified in our study today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have, uh, John chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Uh, who want to take that one? That's a short one. Now, when I was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, and really struck Mary and Martha, her sister. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord to his perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to God, the one who you love, he said. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but is by the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. When Jesus received the word that his friend Lazarus was killed, one might assume Jesus would have hurried to death in the evening. Instead, Jesus waited for two days before he started his journey. It may well be that Lazarus died shortly after the message was dispatched. It took one day for the messenger to make a journey to Jesus. And then Jesus waited two days before making the one day journey ahead. <coughs> when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had had been there for four days. Jesus noted the significance of Lazarus' sickness was not that he would die, but that his suffering would glorify Jesus recognized that the key issue was not Lazarus' death, but God's glory, our lives as well as our death, 
want to be worried about the Apostle Paul expresses in Philippians 1 20. My eager expectation and hope, and hope is that I will not be ashamed of anything, but that Paul has always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. May we imagine more Jesus here with us. May we leave Jesus with you. But now, we will learn something greater than Jesus. Not only could he heal the sick, but he would raise the dead. Jesus would take his friend to a deeper place in the world with him. Then we are Sisters were looking for healing, but Jesus focused on glory. When we face a difficult situation, our health concern, our greatest word is usually not tied to God's word. We want immediate comfort from God. We want the difficulty to go away now. That's, that's what Mary and Mark wanted. When Jesus finally arrived, Martha said, Lord, if you feel me, my brother couldn't have died. Mary and Martha probably assumed that they knew what was best in their situation. And we tend to think that if God loves us, He will make us comfortable. We will have an eternity in heaven to be comfortable. For the moment we are facing a challenge, oh, we can trust God. We can trust that God will work. Okay. God might not work at our timetable, but He does work. And He will work in a way that brings bringing work. Okay. Amen. He will work in a way that brings him glory. Um, the raising of Lazarus is the seventh climactic sign miracle of Jesus in John's gospel. It occurs at the end of what has been called the festival cycle, recorded in John 5, 11 to chapter 5, verses 1, all the way through chapter 11, uh, verses 57. Throughout this section of the gospel, the Jews hostility toward Jesus continued to increase and grow more and more. And um, uh, we see that recorded uh, throughout those passages in, in John 5 uh, through 11. Upon hearing that Lazarus was ill, Jesus decided that he would go to Judea in spite of the seemingly seeming dangers that occurred that, that was going on to his life. Uh, so that didn't affect him in any way, shape or form. And so when we look at the opening chapters of chapter 11, it begins by calling attention to this man named Lazarus. And we hear that name a lot. We see it a lot in scripture, right? Lazarus from Bethany. Uh, Bethany was located about two miles in the southeast of Jerusalem on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was the last village before a person reached Jerusalem and it was located on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. The village was the home of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus is a shortened form of the name Eliezer, meaning whom God helps. 
or whose help is God. And as we've said many times before, it is significant that names in the Bible have meaning. You know, and when we look at what people name their children today, we wonder, where did they get that from? You know, they make it up. Uh, there are people who, um, uh, there's a brother I know, his, his, uh, his, his wife was named Rochelle, and he was named Jason, and they named their daughter Jayshell. Now, I don't know how you come up with a meaning for that, all right? But that people make up names, right? But uh, I... I like how uh, when we read the Bible and how the names that were chosen always had meaning. And, and God even chose names because of what they meant. Um, remember um, Abram? It was changed to Abraham. Abram meant father of... What, what did Abraham, what did I, anybody know what Abraham's name meant? Father of the nation. Father of the nation. Uh, and he was ridiculed because he didn't have any children. Okay, his name is part of many. And uh, you can imagine how his servants must have ridiculed him when they walked across the fields and they said, oh, there's the father of many who doesn't have any. You know, uh, you know names cause people to get, get ridiculed. Okay, uh, but names always meant something. Right? Uh, it's interesting, the mixing of cultures which occurred in the first century Israel as well. Israel is demonstrated by the different cultural origins of the three names. Uh, of the family. Lazarus, Hebrew, Mary, Greek, and Martha, Aramaic. So we had a cross-cultural issue with names here as well. Uh, and so it's interesting to see that uh, in the text. Now, we tend to think that if God loves us, as we saw, as we read just now, he will make us comfortable. That's a normal thinking, right? That's how the unsaved people think. And that's why some of them want to come to Jesus, because see, they are told sometimes you come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. Is that true? No. Absolutely not. Jesus said, in the world you will have what? You can have trouble. You can have tribulation. And he, he showed that in a demonstration of his own life and also the life of his disciples who followed him. And so we tend to think that if God loves us, he will make us comfortable, but we will have... It says, but we will have an eternity in heaven to be comfortable. People don't think about that either, right? Okay, you're not going to have any comfort yet because all eternity. How long does eternity last? Forever. You'll have forever to be comfortable. And so we need to be willing to lay aside our pillows and carry our heavy load for the glory of God. Carrying a load could be prayer, caring for a family or friends, taking on leadership and service roles at church or some other tasks. Those could be considered loads that we carry. And, uh, and I can say that uh, for those persons who are caring for loved ones, uh, that could be a heavy load. And you need to pray for those caregivers because some of them carry a heavy, heavy load uh, in caring for their loved ones. I think of Sister Karen Hawkins and what she's going through and dealing with her mother. You know, she's refused to eat and they had to go through the issue of having her thoughts fed uh, she probably just wanted to go, but her family don't want to let go. And so they keep, you know, caring for and doing whatever she needs uh, to, to keep her with them and to keep her comfortable. And so this, uh, one of those uh, pillows, can, those heavy loads can be caring for loved ones. And I would encourage us to remember to pray for those who are caregivers because they deal with a lot. They neglect themselves as well. Exactly, yes. Uh, they neglect themselves to care for those 
that they love and that they're caring for. Okay, um, boy, time is going fast here. Is it the new time or just? The new time. <laughs> okay, question, question number two. When have we seen God's timing questioned? When have we seen God's timing questioned? Like my friend that I was telling you about last week, her husband just got killed suddenly in a motorcycle accident. So I mean, you have to question that because it's like, you know, the person wasn't sick or anything like that. So you're like, oh Lord, why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why at this time? Oh, then the person has to be and then you never, a week or something like that, then you die. Yeah. That is, you know, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking with Elwood this morning, and uh, you know, uh, about his his uh, relative. They had the funeral last week for his uh, relative, and uh, she had a baby, and she died after having the baby. The baby is three weeks old, wow. and she had a three-year-old. And so the father's left having to care for a three-year-old and a three-week-old and having to explain to that three-year-old why mommy gone, why mommy's not coming back. And so Elvin said they're, they're rallying around the family trying to help him and support him and care. And, and so stuff like that, you're going to, oh Lord, why? You know, but there was a medical condition and of course the medical professionals probably didn't take care of it, uh, the blood clotting issue that she had. And uh, as a result of that, um, you know, she's, uh, she's gone. Uh, but we often face issues, uh, many people in the Abacos and the Grand Bahama are asking, well, why? Why? But only eternity will provide the answers. We'll never know on this side of glory. Next, we will see Jesus at the burial site of his friend Lazarus. Uh, the next passage, uh, verses 38 to 43. We want to take that one. And Jesus, deeply again came to the tomb. It was a cave that a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead minister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you are, I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Okay, someone else want to take the, uh, the passage? I served as president of the Canadian Southern Baptist Seminary for 13 years. When I began my tenure, the school had enormous needs, and the only thing I had in abundance was inexperience. Mm. Two years later, we undertook the largest building project in the school's history. It required us to raise an unprecedented amount of money and to engage 600 volunteers. On the day the first volunteers were scheduled to arrive, I received a series of devastating phone calls. The Canadian government denied American volunteers entry into the country. Then the money we were counting on did not come. I was confused. I thought I was doing what God had asked me to do, but everything seemed to be blowing up in my face. Why would a loving God put me in such a situation? Mary and Martha likely wondered why God had placed them in their current situation. 
Jesus' actions must have bewildered Mary and Martha. They knew Jesus loved them, but they could not understand why a loving God would allow a loyal follower to suffer and die. Lazarus was Jesus' good friend, yet he had apparently contracted a sudden illness and died abruptly. It made no sense to them. The Jewish people had a belief that a deceased person's soul lingered near the corpse for three days. On the fourth day, the soul finally departed. Therefore, mourners retained the slightest hope for recovery until the fourth day, when all hope was lost. Lazarus had been dead four days when Jesus arrived, and his situation was now deemed impossible. Hmm. When it comes to timing, God is never in a hurry. We are. Hmm. And no situation is impossible with him. Upon Jesus' arrival, he commanded the stone to be removed from the entrance to the tomb. His request seemed impractical. Martha, ever the pragmatist, reminded Jesus of the unpleasant odors that would assault them. But Jesus challenged her that in order to see the glory of God, she had to believe. Could it be that we do not see God's glory more often because we fail to believe? When we do things the way we always have, we rarely experience anything new. Martha already knew Jesus could heal sick people. What she was about to learn was Jesus could also raise dead people. Jesus was asking Martha to go against her instincts and tradition and trust God for something that appeared impossible. By trusting him, when all seemed impossible, she would see the glory of God. Jesus uttered a prayer. His petition was confident and thankful. Jesus knew his father always heard him when he prayed. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! Why did Jesus shout? Did raising his voice grant Jesus' command more power? No. It may have been because Jesus wanted everyone within hearing distance to witness the incredible miracle. Jesus was not praying timidly. He was boldly putting his work on display for everyone to witness. Think for a moment about the needs in your life. Perhaps a broken relationship, a wayward child, or a financial need. Look at the problems in our nation today. Crime, violence, loss, hopelessness, drug addiction, immorality, broken homes, and pornography. The remedy for these problems may seem as daunting as raising a dead man, but nothing is beyond God's ability to heal and remedy. Jesus' conversation with Martha reminds us to trust him, and we will see the glory of God at work. Amen. Amen. Wow. <coughs> when you look at that list of problems we have in our world, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's daunting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but notice, uh, when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead in his tomb for four days. Okay, they said, why would you wait four days to raise him from the dead? By this time, the body's decomposing. You can't open that grave. It's going to be horrendous. All right? And then Jesus comforted the grieving sisters, Martha and Mary which is something that's normally done when people are grieving. You give them comfort, words of comfort and consolation. And then Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Comforting words, right? Far beyond the realm of the dead. And then Jesus wept along with those who were brokenhearted. 
shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Two words. All right. You know, when I was in Sunday school, we had to me learn memory verses and come to class with a new verse every Sunday. And our Sunday school teacher would say, okay, what's your new memory verse today? John 30, 35, 10, 35 doesn't count. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because a lot of kids would come, they just memorize those two verses. And he said, that one doesn't count. All right. Uh, the Jesus was deeply moved again. Uh, demonstrating some feelings he had when he had first encountered the mourners. Verse 33. Um, Martha objected to moving the stone because of what the, the order would be, right? Uh, so she was being realistic, but again, as, as she's been described as the pragmatist, right? Okay, next passage, uh, because time is going here on us. Uh, verses 44 to 45. Uh, the dead man came out bound hand and foot, with linen strips, and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unwrap him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. If any family might have assumed it should be exempt from sickness and sadness, it would have been the family of Lazarus, Martha and Mary. The Gospel account implied that Jesus may have been a frequent visitor to their home. Based on these passages, it is easy to assume that they were close friends of the Messiah. As a frequent guest, Jesus found personal refreshment in their home. Yet despite the wonderful fellowship they enjoyed with Jesus and his disciples, they were not spared from death. Surely Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had eagerly told their neighbors about Jesus. Some may have believed, while others remained skeptical, sorry. Then Lazarus died. Jesus may have wondered how the great healer could allow one of his best friends to die prematurely. People may have speculated how, how things might have been different had the famous miracle worker come earlier. Jesus finally arrived, but many of Mary and Martha's friends and mourners shared the view that Jesus was too late to do any good. When Jesus insisted that the stone be rolled away from Lazarus' tomb, the crowd was already present. They likely expressed either bewildered curiosity or confused anticipation. Moments later, Jesus' commanding voice rang out, Lazarus, come out. What a bizarre thing to shout at a grave site. Hmm. Can you imagine the gasp and cries when the former corpse wrapped in burial clothes, stumbled out of the tomb. This was the greatest miracle these townspeople had ever seen, and it came on the heels of Mary and Martha's greatest suffering. It may be the greatest glory that Mary and Martha ever brought to their beloved Lord was when they trusted him in the midst of their deepest grief. Sometimes it is the same for us. We can bring great honor to Christ as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. <clears throat> if we assume that our purpose in life is to be happy and healthy, then our difficult circumstances will confuse us when they inevitably come. But if we desire above all else to glorify our Savior, then we will seize every opportunity, both joyful and painful, to glorify Christ. Mary and Martha certainly raised a praise and glorified God for this great miracle of receiving Lazarus back from the dead. 
but it didn't stop there. Others saw and believed Christ was exalted as the Messiah instead of letting our problems define us. When we let God work through them for his glory, others notice. When we live our lives according to God's will, we honor him. We draw people to Christ, which brings him ever, even greater honor. Okay. A lot in there. But notice, the sign that Jesus did had accomplished its desired effect. And what was that? Many of the Jews who had come to Mary and saw what he had did, believed in him. And so a lot more people came to Christ as a result of Lazarus being brought from the dead than if he hadn't been brought back from the dead. Suppose Jesus had responded to Mary and Martha's urgent cry and come to help when Lazarus was sick. Okay, he wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have been raised from the dead. And many of those people who saw the resurrection would not have believed. And so we see how God's glory is accomplished when God's will is done God's way and in God's timing. Uh, many of Shaw uh, criticized Jesus for being late. Uh, we look at the chart and we notice uh, what happened. Jesus, Lazarus died, right? What good did God bring from this event? We could think of many good things. One of them is that people came to Christ. People got saved. People believed in Jesus. What other things we can see that came from that from, from Lazarus' death? It is a guarantee that if we die, that we have a show of hope, that we'll be raised just like Lazarus was. A guarantee of resurrection to life after death. Right. What else? Faith. Faith? Okay. How was God glorified? Nothing is impossible. It shows that nothing is impossible, okay? Uh, when, Ma when Mary said, uh, was it Martha or Mary? said, he's been dead for four days. He's gonna, you open that thing up and he's going to stink. Okay? God was glorified in that those people saw what God was able to do. How else was God glorified? Besides Lazarus being raised from the dead? I like the way they said in the previous section that um, after four, the fourth day, all hope is lost. So he's like shattered that mm -hmm. belief. Their, their belief that, hey, after four days, ain't nothing can happen. Yeah. <laughs> so it shows that God is able he, he to do... He waited for four days to show them that, hey, listen, that's what you're saying, but that ain't how it is. Right. God is able to do the impossible. Yeah. Okay, and there are a lot of people today who believe that God can't do this and God can't do that. Too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Okay, uh, our time is gone. Let's look at... Um, Page 149, live it out. We missed some of those questions, but that's okay. Um, how will you deliberately live your life so that it brings the maximum glory to God? And the key word there is maximum. You can underline that. Okay, trust. Trust God to work in the middle of whatever difficulty you are facing. Pray for his will to be done and his glory to be seen. And then adjust. Think about an area of your life in which you have not been obedient and consequently have not honored God, as you should. Confess and ask God to show you the adjustments you need to make so that you can glorify Him in that area. And then thirdly, encourage. Walk, along some, someone, walk alongside someone who is going through a difficulty. Be the presence of Christ to that person. Encourage him or her to see where God is at work and to trust him and to let his honor shine through them.
Okay, so one of those things you can do, or all two of them, or all three of them, but they're all encouraging, isn't it? And so, uh, Jesus is the resurrection of the life, we need to remember that. And he asked Martha, do you believe this? Uh, so we need to consider uh, our response to such a question that Jesus would ask us if we were to. Father, thank you for the hope that is ours because of Jesus and his resurrection and life. May we be mindful of this as we go through the challenges that life brings our way and all of the vicissitudes of life that we encounter. Guide us, direct us, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.